From the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2021 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology companies from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact tech companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network, processor, and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support provided by Davis Brown Law Firm and Google. I'm here with Senator Zach Walls, who represents District 37 in Eastern Iowa and is the current Senate Minority Leader. Senator Walls, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. It's great to be with you, Molly. So you recently stepped into a position of leadership in the Iowa legislature. Talk to us a little bit about your goals as a Senate Minority Leader. Well, it's a, an honor to be given this responsibility by my colleagues in the Senate Democratic Caucus. You know, we obviously are in the minority, uh, as, as you mentioned, the Senate Minority Leader. And so, you know, our, our priority, of course, is to continue to do our best to pass good policy where those options and opportunities present themselves and to get back into the majority so we can execute on the vision that we feel will move our state in the right direction. Uh, as a leader of a caucus, there's a lot of different hats that you wear. You know, it's kind of a combination of being a team captain, a team coach, general manager, uh, to use a football metaphor. Um, you know, you're kind of the CEO, president of the board, and chief marketing officer. I mean, you're, you're wearing all these different hats all the time. Uh, and so one of the most important, I think, objectives for any leader in, in that kind of uh, strategic leadership role is to really stay focused on, on the key wins. Uh, you know, for us, that means, again, identifying those opportunities for good public policy, even when you're in the minority, those opportunities are there. Uh, but then also trying to make sure that as an organization, uh, we're uh, deploying uh, the right tactics, using the right tools, uh, and that we've got a clear vision about where we want to go and how we're going to get there. Now, one of the kind of interesting dynamics right now is that we we don't actually know what the lines are going to look like for the 2022 political map. And so it's a little hard to do candidate recruitment, for example, when you don't know where the lines are going to be. But we are really focused on trying to make sure that uh, even as a minority party, we've got a clear message, we've got a clear agenda, and we know uh, what the the folks, you know, so the people of Iowa know what, what we're what we're fighting for. Sounds like you have a lot going on and a lot to pay attention to. As I've shared with you, promoting policies that foster a culture of diversity and inclusion is one of TAI's four legislative priorities for 2021, as well as a pillar of our organization. Sure. Can you give us a brief overview of legislation you're working on this session that may have an impact on Iowa's culture of inclusivity? Well, mostly it's trying to stop bills that Republicans are putting forward on on exactly that topic. You know, it's been really disheartening to see how many bills have been filed this year that are a direct attack on those values of diversity and inclusion and just affirming the inherent worth and dignity of every Iowan, which to me is, is something that should really be at the heart of public policy. And Unfortunately, we've seen, um, I think, 15 bills introduced this year uh, that are going after the LGBTQ community in some way or another. In fact, that's the most bills of any state in the country uh, that are, are going after LGBT folks. Uh, we've also seen uh, new legislation that would attack the 1619 Project's curriculum 
Uh, the 1619 project was actually developed by an Iowan and is designed to take a critical look at uh, the history of slavery in the United States and how that long legacy is still with us today. Uh, and then, of course, we've seen these uh, bills that are are aimed squarely at the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, uh, going after things like tenure and trying to create new policies that protect uh, political speech from certain people, but not others. Uh, it's kind of like Animal Farm. You know, every animal is equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Uh, and that's really not, you know, what our state is about. It's not who we're supposed to be. And so, you know, most of what we're trying to do is stop a lot of those really bad, awful ideas from becoming law. Uh, we're hopeful that some of those are, are in fact going to be stopped. But frankly, Molly, the, the biggest bill that I think we're really worried about in that space and that I think your entire association should be worried about is a bill that the entire Senate Republican caucus brought forward uh, that would essentially uh, kind of take it to technology companies uh, that actually enforce their terms of service. Uh, it was shocking, frankly, to see uh, that the entire uh, Republican caucus in the Senate signed on to that bill. I understand that legislation looks like it will also move in the House uh, and could very well be uh, signed into law by Governor Reynolds. I mean, it would be a body blow for the technology industry in this state and uh, may very well be a match that sparks fire that spreads across the country. And so uh, we're really worried about it. We think this is the wrong direction to take our state and we're doing everything that we can to fight it. I appreciate you bringing that up. That is a bill that we're keeping a close eye on. We spoke uh, in a Senate subcommittee meeting yesterday about that bill specifically and are continuing yep. to work with our membership. Uh, that bill, along with a number of the others that you mentioned, are, of course, of particular concern to TAI when we consider that work, the workforce shortage is so significant here in Iowa and especially yep. for technology companies. Uh, how can our legislature help Iowa companies attract top talent and ensure that people want to come here to work? Well, the good news is that Iowa has a lot of really good stuff going for us. You know, we've got uh, an education system that has historically been very strong. We're, we're kind of moving in the wrong direction right now, but I think that the roots are still there. And so if, if we're able to kind of stop that, we'll be able to rebuild uh, without too much trouble. You know, we've got a, a relatively low cost of living compared to a lot of other states, especially on the coasts. Um, we know that many of our communities have some really terrific cultural amenities, um, things like high-speed internet. You know, there's still more work to do, but the good news is that we, I think we punch above our weight in some of those areas. Uh, the bad news is that I, I think specifically because of, you know, this, this legislature, um, you know, there really is this perception that's out there that Iowa is kind of more backward looking rather than forward looking. And so, you know, I think that the focus for our state has to continue to be on growing, uh, you know, a, a great quality of living. We want this to be a great state uh, to raise a family, to, to live in, to work in um, and, and to call home. And we want to be a state that's forward looking. I mean, we know that population growth in this state is a big, a big challenge that contributes to our workforce shortage issues. And we should be looking at things like paid family leave um, and continuing to shore up those, those kinds of basic fundamental benefits uh, that every worker can enjoy rather than these kind of divisive cultural kind of culture war issues uh, that I don't think are, are good for the future of our state. They certainly aren't good for businesses uh, that are trying to recruit workers that are coming in from maybe a, a more forward-looking state. Uh, and I, it, it, I, it's, I mean, it's so frustrating, Molly. The first funnel is uh, a week from tomorrow. So it's the first major legislative deadline. The Republican majority has not brought forward a single piece of legislation aimed at delivering relief to people who have been impacted by COVID-19. Not one. And I'm not trying to make this a, a Democrat-Republican deal. I'm just stating the facts. Uh, and and so it's, it's really disheartening that uh, the, the majority's agenda has really, I think, been out of step with what people 
uh, want in, in their communities uh, and what's needed to, to move Iowa forward. Along those same lines, in addition to human capital, the state also benefits from recruiting businesses to build and grow here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to any legislation that you and your caucus may be working on to help improve the likelihood or ability for companies to move here and feel confident and comfortable growing here? Well, I mean, you just hit a moment ago on the workforce issue. I think that's certainly a big one. Uh, you know, and, and so much of that is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the issue of housing. We know that housing is a huge workforce issue. Um, Democrats have been really excited uh, to see Republicans finally introduce some really serious affordable housing legislation. Uh, I believe that bill is currently moving through uh, the local government committee. And I think is going to get some really good bipartisan support. Uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, broadband is another issue that's uh, got some strong bipartisan support. I think there's slightly different visions in terms of how we want to allocate those funds or whatever process might be used for for oversight. Uh, but we are working on that language, and we're hoping to be able to work with Republicans uh, just to make sure that you know as we invest a significant amount of taxpayer money that we're doing so in a financially prudent and strategic kind of forward-looking way. And then the the final piece where I do think that we're going to see some real uh, bipartisan cooperation is on child care, where we've seen uh, bipartisan bills move through the House uh, in the past. And again, this year, they have not yet moved forward in the Senate. But my hope is that we'll be able to get those bills taken up because we know that especially for young professionals, folks who may be just in the early phase of their career, uh, the cost of child care can be prohibitive and pull people out of the workforce because it might be easier to stay home uh, rather than pay for child care. Uh, and we also know that when you ask you know, uh, millennial parents, how many kids do you want to have versus how many kids do you actually have? The the biggest factor in explaining that difference is the cost of childcare. And especially in a state that's having challenges with population growth and attracting, you know, young, young folks to come, maybe to leave for college, but to come home after college, this should be one of the number one priorities that our state should be focused on, not one of the last. So you mentioned funnels coming. I know there's lots of bills moving through the House right now. Uh, are there examples of legislation, especially when we look at in ensuring cultures of inclusivity that you see in other states or other areas that we're maybe missing out on or that you'd like to see come to Iowa? Well, I certainly see lots of them. Unfortunately, none of them are going to pass in this legislature. And so, you know, um, I'll, I'll give you just one example. You know, we've seen several states ban um uh, quote unquote conversion therapy, uh, more accurately conversion fraud uh, practices that are aimed at at kind of quote unquote curing um, LGBTQ youth, uh, and you know we've seen many states uh, pass that legislation. We know that wouldn't even get a hearing here in, in the state of Iowa, so that's really disappointing. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of things that we could be doing uh, in terms of equity um, that would be beneficial, frankly, not just for uh, minority groups in Iowa, but but they would actually benefit every Iowan. And I mean, and, and one of the things that I really want to stress, Molly, is that even though sometimes these conversations around equity can can get really divisive and kind of try to pit, you know, some folks try to use these conversations as an opportunity to pit people against each other. The most important thing that I can tell everybody on these issues is that when you have a more equitable society, everybody does better. This is the old uh, observation from the former, uh, the late senator from uh, Minnesota, Paul Wellstone, who who used to always say that we all do better when we all do better. And that's really, really true. Um, when we have a, a more diverse and inclusive state, uh, that makes us stronger, uh, makes us more resilient, and it, it makes our society more fair and more just. And when you pledge allegiance to the flag, we're not just talking uh, about one set of Americans or another. We're talking about liberty and justice for every American. And that 
fundamentally is what uh, this kind of DEI work is all about. Well, I really appreciate you talking with us today. Before you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with Iowa's technology community about your goals for this session? Well, one thing that I would like to see us work on as we look towards 2022 and in, in the next legislative session, my hope is that during this interim, uh, we'll be able to, to bring together um, a, a wide array of, of experts and, in, and including folks from your association uh, and others uh, to start a conversation about really modernizing um, Iowa's office of the chief information officer, OCIO. Uh, this is an office that has uh, historically been a fee-for-service um, funded organization. So essentially, they're kind of an in-house service provider for other state agencies. And especially when you are living in uh, a state, a world that has this very dynamic threat environment, uh, we've seen all kinds of, of threats made against, especially uh, city and, and county governments, uh, you know, rural hospitals that frankly may not have the in-house cybersecurity expertise to, to prevent or guard against those threats. Um, we need to be doing more as a state to help out those folks who, who would benefit from a more um, proactive OCIO office and could really help be a leading force in those areas. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that when you have a fee-for-service model, it's hard to spend resources being forward-looking and preventative. And so uh, I hope that we'd be able to bring together uh, a group of, of folks to, to craft some legislation uh, that would help us figure out ways to, to take the next step in, in trying to secure our state uh, and local governments uh, and just in helping folks kind of learn more, some of the more kind of what might seem like common sense if you're a tech and industry expert uh, on things like two-factor authorization, using password managers, that kind of thing. Uh, but that in state government and, and local and county governments, we still got some work to do. So that would, that would be one thing that as I look to the future, I think we could get some really good bipartisan support. That's not a Democrat or Republican issue. That should just be a good government issue uh, and something that I'd hope we'd be able to work on in the future. Well, I can assure you our association and our membership will be happy to hear that and we're here and happy to help any way we can. Senator Walls, thank you for your service to the state of Iowa. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Molly. Next on the podcast, Brian Waller sits down with Rana Baranobis, Vice President of Inclusion and Organizational Development at Walmart Blue Cross and Blue Shield. But first, a brief message from Davis Brown Law Firm. Davis Brown Law Firm, soon to be Denton's Davis Brown, is proud to be an Iowa law firm that values diversity, equity, and inclusion for our internal work to foster a welcoming workplace and our work with clients to do the same, or our pro bono work in the community to achieve equity, we rely on technology to enable forward movement. Visit davisbrownlaw.com TAI for more information about the intersection of the law and diversity initiatives. We are here with Rana Baranobis, who serves as Vice President of Inclusion and Organizational Development at Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Rana, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Brian, for having me this morning. Now, you have a very important role at Wellmark. Can you share a bit about your work? Well, thank you, Brian. That's I, I'm humbled by that. Uh, however, all 2,000 of our employees have really important roles making healthcare better for uh, Iowans and South Dakotans, I've been privileged to have worked for Wellmark for 27 years and had the opportunity to work across the business, yet 
in the last 14 years, I've had the privilege of leading our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives across the organization. And in my role, we really focus on uh, four primary pillars of work, and that's DEI work for our workforce, for the workplace and our environment, community and the marketplace. And so I work very closely with uh, our CEO, Corey Harris, and an inclusion council uh, of of representatives across the company, a cross-sectional group of 23 employees that are, um, you know, the voice of the people, if you will, uh, to develop and implement actions initiatives to support engagement, learning, and community involvement. So why does Wellmark value inclusion and strive to develop a welcoming and diverse culture like you do? Yeah, it's critical. It really is critical. It's part of the fabric of who we are as an organization. Uh, It's who we are and what we stand for. It's a core value. We value, respect, and welcome differences. Um, We value each person for their individual strengths and what they can bring to our company day to day. We know that each person brings their their best self when they can be their best selves. And we know that differences make us stronger as a company. It makes us more productive, uh, more innovative. And that innovation translates to new and better ways of doing things. Well, we certainly know here at the Technology Association of Iowa that diversity and inclusion is a journey. It's not a destination. So where is Wellmark on that journey? It's a great question. It it truly is a journey. And I love that word. It's not a program. It's not something that's like that you can plug into a structure and just make it happen. It is truly, truly a people focused journey. And um, as I mentioned earlier, our inclusion console, which originated in 2006, has been the crux of this journey. And um, the inclusion console is a really grassroots representation of our workforce and a variety of diverse aspects, a variety of, a variety of roles, life experiences, cultures, orientations, you name it. We have um, representation at, at, at the table. And our CEO, Corey Harris, serves as the chair of this inclusion council. So he is leading um, our work. And the team is really made up of three primary com- committees and really is the driver behind the activities, the events, the initiatives, the ideas to promote and influence uh, DEI across our company and in the community. We have team members that host uh, workshops and have conversations uh, with employees. They, they create employee-based stories. And we have found that t- people having the ability to telling their story um, is powerful because we learn, we can learn best from one another, what our experiences are, um, one of the programs that we've, one of the workshops that this team developed is called A Walk in My Shoes. Post-George Floyd, um, our inclusion council came together and really uh, found ways to to leverage the opportunity to have conversations and, and our own employee stories to help people to learn, to help people to stand up, to help people to speak out, to help people to engage in the community 
to help people have conversations with their kids. Um, it was, it has been a really powerful journey for us. And one of the, one of the workshops is called a walk in my shoes. And we had a couple of employees talk about what it's like to walk in their shoes. And it, um, a good majority of our workforce actually attended the workshop to include our board of directors and our officers. And it, um, those kinds of things, that was sort of the impetus for us to start to leverage employee stories as a way for us to learn. While it's important to have more formal learning, like unconscious bias, uh, cultural competencies, um, helping people to understand what it means to be generational differences. There's a gamut of, of more formal learning, but this engagement with one another through personal stories has been super, super powerful for us. Well, it certainly is a journey, but you're down that path, it, it seems like, in a very positive way. You mentioned community, and I'd like to dive in a little bit more there. Wellmark partners with and supports community organizations and cultural events. Can you share why those community-based investments are so important to the Wellmark brand? Yeah, fab, fabulous uh, question. Um, y- you know, Brian, we are a company that serves Iowa and South Dakota primarily, and we have two million, two million customers. Um, we're the largest health insurance carrier in both states, and so we know um, first and foremost that what we do is in the best interest of our customers and communities, and. Um, our goal is to make healthcare better, uh, not only for our members, but for our communities. And so connecting with our communities is fundamental to, to who we are. Our company mission um, really drives that for us. Um, both, both having inclusion as a core value and looking to make healthcare better intersect in the way we show up in the community. Um, for example, the larger cultural festivals that we participate in, and you're right, we do, we do participate. We're very active. Uh, we aim to bring health awareness and education, uh, through what we call our Wellmark Health Villages, and we engage with fair goers, at least we did pre-COVID, and um, we're looking to find ways to either do that more in a virtual way or hopefully those, those um, events will be, will be offered um, in the future. But we, we really are our community and connecting with our community and helping to influence healthier lifestyles and promote awareness around health and especially in communities where culturally it may not be something that rises to the top uh, um, preventive health for example so we want to make sure we're educating um, providing the services that support um, health and wellness um, at a low cost to 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 individuals on the programs so it's really important to us as it relates to promoting health um, as an organization in the community, we we have a program that was re- what that I go go back to that inclusion council that was suggested through our inclusion council called Blues Care Giving, where each employee can earn dollars through volunteering in the community, and these dollars are provided. These dollars that are earned um, are given back to the community by that employee to an organization of their place. So to any 5013C that agrees with our inclusion mission. And so every organization that we support in the community must agree 
to the mission statement of Wellmark. And if they don't, then those dollars won't be granted accordingly. So it's a wonderful way for our employees to be involved and to reinforce what we believe in and stand for in our community. We spoke with Senator Walls about how um, legislation and policy could affect diversity and inclusion efforts in our states. And so what would you like Iowa lawmakers to know about policies that push against diversity and inclusion efforts and why it is important for Iowa State House to pass legislation that is inclusive to all Iowans and those looking to move to Iowa? I think it's really uh, critical for how we show up as a state. In order for Iowa to show up as inclusive, we have to act like it. And it starts at the top with our legislators. And we, um, you know, we have been on the forefront of so many uh, diversity and inclusion related um, policies and legislation. I mean, uh, the Marriage Equality Act uh, is a great example in 2005 when we were. We were on the front. We were the, one of the front runners. We adopted policy and put into law um, the importance of marriage equality. We've we've been a longstanding state of of equal uh, opportunity and equal beliefs. So when I think about where where we stand and where we need to stand, um, Wellmark as a company has traditionally opposed any major legislation that adversely impacts diverse communities. Other major companies are registered against SF-436, which is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or RIFRA. Um, This is a pretty well-known piece of legislation that we have spoken out firmly against. And on the surface, it seems to allow freedom of religious belief in making business and personal decisions. However, The practical application typically translates into general discrimination of members in the LGBTQ community, among others. This bill is the reason that many companies do not enter into specific states. For example, the NCAA has moved March Madness tournaments from states that have enacted such legislation. And we believe that if, in fact, Iowa wants to be a state, that is inclusive, that embraces diversity, then we need to be clear and we need to show up for all people, not just a faction of what what each legislator thinks is appropriate for them or for their specific belief. So how can the Iowa legislature help in crafting policies that help recruit top talent to our state? I think this is a really good question. I don't know enough about policy, but I do know about behavior and what we stand for and what we ambassador for. And our legislators represent our state. They represent through the election process, they represent us. And if, in fact, they um, believe that Iowa is a state of opportunity, that Iowa is a state that embraces all people, that is a state that that encourages opportunity and welcomes people, then we need to act like it and we need to show up in a way that we we show people that we we want them to come here. I also think that legislators have have different networks and different platforms than than many of us. And through those platforms that they can use that opportunity to 
to represent Iowa in a way uh, of being an inclusive place to live, of welcoming people and encouraging people to take a look at us. I know that when we're looking to hire individuals for positions um, and we're and we we look nationally, depending upon what the role is, um, it, it can be tricky to to for for people that are not familiar with Iowa to to really look at Iowa at a place they want to make home. Once we get them here and once we show them how warm Iowa is, not necessarily from a climate perspective. So that's strategic. We bring them in in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. But we we want to make sure that that people can see Iowa for for what it is and can be to be what we want Iowa to be for our children for the future. And I think I think that our legislators are the legislators are the ones that really are those leaders that that need to take seriously what that looks like long term. Well, I know from where I sit, I look and you have recruited in the technical space, some really great top talent from out of state. I'm sure your culture pays dividends to recruit top talent. My last question for you is what's a big idea for the state of Iowa? Wow. You know, I have lots of big ideas, (laughs) lots of big ideas. And I, um, I would say that I don't know that I have one big idea for the entire state of Iowa, but I do have, um, words that. I would like to leave with every Iowan to think about. And I think the one thing each and every one of us can do is to get outside of our bubble to we're all inside. You know, we, we tend to do, do things a certain way. Uh, We lean towards certain people. We were part of particular groups and that's just because it's what we enjoy and what we're accustomed to or how we were raised. But I would challenge each and every one of us to look outside of your bubble, get uncomfortable, Uh, do something that you can role model for your children and for others, get to know other cultures, get to know other communities, reach out, be, get involved and learn. Um, If, if all of it, and we can all do that in our own ways. I don't have a prescribed methodology around it other than if you if you drew a circle around yourself uh, and considered that a bubble and stay within that bubble, look outside of it and see where it is that you can learn or get involved or show up or, you know, teach your child, help engage your children. Um, I just think that that's something every one of us, if we all really, truly want to be part of a better solution then we all need to get involved. Rana Baranobis, Vice President, Inclusion and Organizational Development at Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield. Thank you for your work to make Iowa a more inclusive place. And thank you for joining us on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for all of the great work that you, Brian, and your team does uh, to make sure that technology is an important part of our state and you continue to make great decisions. And um, we're really proud to be associated with your organization. Thank you for having me. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. At TAI, we believe every Iowa company is a technology company. Join us over at technologyiowa.org to help build and unite Iowa's technology industry. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you to Shazam, 
Davis Brown Law Firm, and Google for making this podcast a reality. Thanks for listening.